Hi everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. I'm your host, Guillaume Cochois, and today's shout-out goes to Francis Jalbert, the publicist of Allegria, who was the first one to find out our guest today, Philippe Bélanger. I'm laughing because in the industry, Francis is referred as Francis the publicist. But that's a story for another episode. So, Philippe and I did our very first training together at Cirque du Soleil in 2012. Him for Cusa and I for Totem. Since then, he performed on three Cirque du Soleil shows, Cusa, Paramore and Volta, and made a spectacular career for himself. Phil has mastered both the show and the business in show business, which is why I thought it would be great to catch up and ask him to share with you guys some of his best advices in negotiating contracts, adding value to your performance, work ethics, etc. I love Phil. He's really a fantastic artist on stage and has a lot of knowledge and experience to share. So here he is, the very talented and fierce negotiator, Philippe Bélanger. Hey, Phil, my man, welcome to Tapis Rouge. Yes, hi Guillaume. <laughs> How are you, man? Very good, very good. Happy to see you. Yeah, happy to see you too. How's Vegas doing? It's doing good. Weather's getting better. Shows are doing great. Uh, things, yeah, it's it's nice to to see things, uh, kind of, you know, picking up again. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you're back in the show with Marley, with your unicycle partner now. Correct. Yeah, we've been doing shows uh, since October. Right now, so it's yeah, it's been a couple months. Feels good. Feels good for the the soul. <laughs> yes, I bet. <laughs> and uh, for our listeners who might not know you, would you mind telling us how actually you start working as a Cirque artist? I started doing circus when I was um, around eleven years old, twelve years old. I don't know, and. Mm -hmm. um, My, my dad pretends to be the first one in Quebec City to own a unicycle. And um, he used to tell me these stories. And I, I say pretend to, to be the first one because, you know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's a great storyteller. So <laughs> anyway, and I was inspired by this. So I went to circus school in Quebec City uh, at the age of, yeah, 12 years old. And then uh, kind of started doing street shows uh, with uh, Gabriel Boudouin. Who is juggler on Curious now. Exactly, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, eventually I went to the, the, the professional circus program, the, the, the deck, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, in Quebec City with Marie-Lee. So we graduated together. And uh, that's false, actually. We didn't graduate, but that's... Uh... Yeah, I, I, wanna, I, want you to, I want you to tell the story. Like, you, <laughs> you didn't graduate because... Yeah, yeah, we were... So we did one year the... Um, Yeah, straight to the point. Basically, we were in, in deck two. So second year. Yeah, second year. And then um, we did. We got offered a contract for Kuza. And okay. then we were like, oh, wow, this is this is great. Yeah, well, uh, I guess we'll tell the school that, you know, we're, we're not going to do the third year. This is, And they were like, oh, no, sorry, we didn't know you were in second year. We thought you were going to graduate uh, this, you know, upcoming uh, mm -hmm. June. So we're like, oh, no, no, we're... We're in the second year, but it's okay. And then, hey, wait, and then Circle's like, no, we can't offer it to you. So they withdraw their their offer, and we're like, no, we should have never said that. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah, because but, the uh, the National Circus School of Montreal and the Circus School of Quebec they have a, a deal with Cirque du Soleil that Cirque du Soleil is not allowed to offer contracts at students who haven't finished uh, the program. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of uh, it's respectful to yeah. For, for the schools and because there's grant and there's government money so it's you know if it's if student they don't finish exactly it's a it's not ideal for the the program but then eventually Cirque, they called the school and they asked them if they were okay to do to still offer the contract again so a couple of months later they called back and then uh, the whole like administration of the school knew and it was kind of on us at, the, at this point so mm -hmm. we decided they were okay to, to let you go Yeah, exactly. It was like if they, because we were kind of ready and we were doing a lot of contracts and a lot of gigs with Marie Lee. And yeah, of course, it would have been nice to have a third year, but going straight to like on the market and, and working was, it was great for, 
No, I don't regret the leaving school and going to <laughs> the cruiser. It was a it was a good uh, good experience for sure. And how was it to get to get into the shows? Like, how was it your transition from uh, training in circus school in unicycle duo and hand to hand and incorporating your acts in Kusa? It was, I think everyone that graduate kind of goes through this and it's like the reality of being in school and learning skills and having that very like tight schedule and, and, and training pace and you go into shows and it's just a different type of repetition that I think acrobatically for us, it was, there was a bit of a transition where it's like, whoa, we, how do we, this trick doesn't work anymore. And going through like the, learning how to not necessarily have like a close coach, but coaching each other mm -hmm. and finding these resources and this communication um, as clear as possible. And this was definitely something that we picked up, like we developed a high communication skills and within the duo, which has always helped us. And now I like, I would say like after Kusa, we were stronger than when we left school, mm -hmm. which was, but it was kind of a, You know, there was a bit of a, a curve to the end. Yeah. <laughs> learning. It was still some, yeah. so, still some learning after. <laughs> still some yeah, learning. And it, it's done, just yeah. the reality of the, the job, you know? It's like you go to school and it's, you peak at your prof you know, you peak at your last moment and it's great. And then it's like, oh, wow, I'm, I've graduated now. What do I do? Let's go for a beer at night, you know, with friends. Yeah. It's just a whole different pace and you enjoy life a bit more. You make money, you do different things. And then suddenly it's like, that doesn't work anymore. Wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so it's kind of going through that. I think, yeah. And how many But years did you guys like, do? We didn't want to downgrade that all. So it was. Uh, yeah, for sure. And how many yeah. years did you guys do on Kusa? We, we stayed there almost three years. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And so we were doing hand to hand as a backup unicycle duo as a backup. And then I started doing trickster as the backup as well. Nice. So, but it was, yeah, it was exactly. It was a great way to kind of step in the company for us and to, to understand what, you know, how to be professionals and how to do shows. And I think it was a, it was, a super fun first step and then uh, to kind of launch the the career and know what we wanted to do and understand yeah finding that work ethic and yeah and for people who might not be familiar with what a backup track would be like how would you explain how is it to be a backup artist to have backup acts on a circus show so you so at circuit you kind of have like a, a house troupe Um, that does like group acts and stuff. So we were uh, part of the house troupe, but not necessarily on specifically on Kuza. The, there's a teeterboard act that is kind of like the, it's, it's not, they don't buy this act. It's the, it's their act. It's Kuza's, mm -hmm. it's yeah. Cirque's act. So it's, it's like a house troupe thing. We weren't part of the, the, the teeterboard, but we were part of the, the kind of ensemble, if you mm -hmm. want to. Yeah. And then on top of that, you do, you have like a, an, an act that can be placed in to replace an act. Let's say uh, the, the hula hoop is out or the, mm -hmm. our act would go with our song, our costumes, but it just replaced the spot in the show to rotate in and to keep the same length of the show and the same quality. Um, so that's kind of like the idea of having an extra. So the, the, the tourings, the touring shows, they like to have an extra act just to be able to, to replace and to rotate in uh, some of the artists. So that was the position for the hand to hand. And there was already a unicycle act that was there doing the show. Uh, so our act was just rotating in with them uh, in case they would um, leave would or injured or sick or something. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to be ready to perform your acts at any times. I assume you have a lot of training to do to maintain the act. And even though you're not performing the act every show, the act has to be ready every show yeah yeah exactly it's kind of, it is challenging i would say to to not do the show every day and to keep that maintenance and to keep the motivation there just to just to rotate like twice a week or um we had, we were doing it fairly often which was kind of nice but for unicycle we were not doing it as as often as we would have mm -hmm. hoped so and that was that was challenging like every time we would go on stage it was super stressful Um, but that's kind of part of the, 
the agreements that you have with search you kind of have to yeah. find that that line of what you're comfortable with and what you're with you know the cost of it and but yeah it's it's challenging for sure but there's you know you learn from it and you mm -hmm. get stronger after three and a half years why did you guys decide to leave uh it was time for us to find new new challenges and to do something that it was was more us and uh, we learned a lot from from that experience but it was kind of it was time for us to just artistically do our thing and what we feel more comfortable with and and yeah it was it was just time to move on and to do mm. something different yeah and from there we what was the next shows that you guys got in we um so we left and wanted to at the time i remember like really not wanting to sign anything long term we said no to like a bunch of like nine months contract and we were just like no we want to do like special events and we want to do like like corporate gigs and travel and mm, do like yeah. different projects and so we did we did a lot of that we went to quebec city during a summer with with Fifth fabric that that first summer in 2015 uh we did uh, the first version of uh crepuscule with mm -hmm. fabric that, that was super fun and then kept on gigging here and there and then eventually it was uh paramore was the uh was the next cirque uh yeah the signature show on that was on Broadway, the musical. Exactly. Yeah. So we went to New York and uh, there was a little bit of a revamp happening over there. Uh, at the time when we when this happened, it was super last minute. We were um, at Trois Rivières, which was another, you know, Cirque special event mm -hmm. uh, thing in so Trois Rivières, a city between Montreal and Quebec City. Uh -huh. And there's a great summer gig over there. That I think it's going to happen this summer. I'm not too sure. Uh, I don't want to. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, right. That would be because uh, it's a great. The, the The venue is huge, and people they they just come and the yeah, it's always sold out. So it was it was a super fun gig. Anyway, another point. That was kind of right after this, we straight like went to New York to the revamp Paramore. They opened four months before that, and they kind of needed a little bit of a revamp, and they needed a stronger act towards the beginning of the show, and mm -hmm. they. Um, they decided to have you do a unicycle. So that was kind of our first, okay, this is, this is our, our jam. This is what we do. And they came to, to 12. Yeah. We workshop with them. We're still doing shows. And as soon as we finished, we flew to, to New York and we integrated uh, in three days to, to be in the, in Paramore. So that was super fun to be able to kind of, okay, integrate super quick. And you arrive in the show and in three days, you were after three days of staging training, you were doing the shows. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy, dude. That's yeah. fast. Yeah, it was, uh, and that's that's kind of like the beauty of do unicycles that we have like a vocabulary of of things, but we don't necessarily ha need like any rigging or any like we we just 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 the two of us with our unicycle. So we do mm -hmm. whatever the song will be. We can create an act within an hour, and then mm -hmm. kind of run it and be able to okay fine-tune it but having like a first structure of an act and then so that's that's always been like something that was very useful for us to yeah to save situations or to be like okay we're just thrown in into a new project now mm -hmm. and how different was it for you guys to perform uh in a theater on broadway versus the big top with kuza it was it was great i mean New York was a great venue, you know, it was, uh, it was slightly smaller, but it was frontal. It wasn't like three or 270 degree. It, it was, it was big. It was a different schedule. I would say like it was, it was more time consuming. The show was long and there was two and a half hours between shows. So you, you know, you'd go there and it was a, a full day of, all right. Of work here. shows and that's it. Yeah. 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 But it was, yeah, the team was amazing and it was interesting to also kind of mix with a different type of like the whole Broadway world was very different, you know, so it, it, mm -hmm. it was nice to, to learn from them and to kind of mix things up and to understand what's, what's their world and stepping into this. And yeah, how yeah. was it to work with Broadway artists? And also, did you guys feel a different type of pressure because you were performing on Broadway? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say like, because it was Cirque, but it was like Cirque theatrical. So it's very different. The 
I don't know. So they, they, they take so good, like such good care of you and like everything is like always so yeah, perfect. You know, you're on tour and they just want to make it as seamless as possible for you to focus on stage. Whilst mm -hmm. when you in like in, in the Broadway world, it was a bit of a different experience and like just the way they, they talk and they share company meeting information things. It's like, it's, it was a bit more rough, I would say. No, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Without too like <laughs> backstabbing them. But it was, yeah, it was interesting how like, yeah, we went through a lot for sure. Like there was, um, there was a lot of challenges and meeting, like both world meeting was kind of, was, was a bit intense and there were a bit of conflicts here and there. Yeah. Like what type of conflicts? Do you mean creatively or more like in to the professionalism standards or? Yeah, I would say the, the standards of like the unions of like each. So the, the circus artists had their own unions. The, the singers and the ensemble had another um, union. The, the musician have another union. The, the technicians, they have another union. So it's kind of like they all have different rules and different things they can't do. And, and that's why you have so long, like so much time in between shows is because they, the technicians, they need an hour, right? Like, I don't know exactly mm. the specific anymore, but it was like, and they could, we would go to the restaurant and they'd drink beer in between shows. And okay. I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. It's like, yeah. In big, big top would not, that, that type of stuff. No, apply, of course not. Sure. Exactly. Like it's not, uh, but you know, it's, it's in there. That that's what that's how they do it over there, and that's that's allowed, and they they are allowed, I think, a, a drink or something, and they they can do it. Okay, so they do it. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on when you're performing on Broadway, you have so many different shows in the city in the same time. So did you feel a difference with Big Top that when a Big Top show arrive in the city, usually it's the only or like most of the time it's the only big show, like the star shows in the city. So it attracts so many people, but when you're on Broadway, there are many stars in town. So did you feel a different with how the audience was reacting? Yeah. I feel like the, the general opinion of, and the reviews weren't really accurate to what my opinion of the show was. I felt like it was a bit more harsh than I thought it was a great show and everyone that was coming had such a good time, but it didn't have the, the best reputation. And I, I don't know if it's because of the competition and because it's such a, like a fighting kind of, yeah. you know, environment that, and there's a lot of money and there's a lot of things. I don't know if it's, if it's a, if it's a money thing and it's a bit of a, you know, we don't want you in New York yeah. kind of thing. But it's possible because it's like Cirque, yeah. Cirque is in its own league. You know, it doesn't compete really with anybody. So, so for them to come in New York when you have all mm -hmm. these musicals and this musical market, basically they're coming after a new market. And maybe yeah. they were like, "We don't want, we don't want you guys." Yeah, I think I think that was it was part of the reason why it didn't have such a good reputation, and the reviews were weren't as good as it should have been. Because it was, it was really good. Like, yeah, I really liked, yeah, I really liked the show. It was really awesome. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. It closed after a year and it was, uh, it, so it was one year of performance and after one year done. Yeah. Pretty much like to the day, I think like April 17 was like the premiere and then the April 16th was the last show. Oh, okay. I'm not sure so of the was... premiere they exactly, it was like <laughs> yeah yeah very yeah uh, it was a year and from that Cirque show what was your <laughs> next Cirque show so the idea was for us to join uh, to join absent in Vegas mm -hmm. so we had signed a contract with uh, with Spiegel World and we were supposed I uh, was taking four months off and just to focus on going to Quebec City and do different um just following my the my girlfriend at the time and it was kind of like okay the plan is to, to do this and then um you know to just relax yeah, and move yeah, out sure. of new york before moving into to vegas 
so that was the the original plan but as soon as i so you know you pack you you party on the sunday it's finished yeah, yeah. you move out of a city everything and the tetris of like the whole all the equipment in the van yeah. i flew to quebec city slept like like this like oh my god okay wake <laughs> up and the next morning 10 a.m pick up my phone so <laughs> sorry what's going on am i dreaming okay i wake up and it was for volta they were like we need an act for for volta there's there's just situation where it's like the premiere is in a week and there's a there's a couple of elements that are fragile so we need you for the show what okay uh, <laughs> let me call you back yeah <laughs> So the next day, the next day you finish Barmore, you're like plan on taking this four months break, and then like Sierra calls you right the next day yeah. when you're hangover for another big contract that's happening right now. Yeah, it's like I'm to Montreal um, in the next like couple of days. So we like went to Montreal. We watched a show with uh, some of the big like creative. Um, uh creative team people, yeah. and they were just like explaining kind of what's what were the the issues and the the things that were uncertain the the artists that were a little bit more fragile that need maybe to pull out for, for world premiere and then the next day it was kind of like okay we need you to sign your contract we signed the contract for two weeks that was like okay i'll agree to two weeks because i'll still have like another three months mm-hmm. off before i go um, so it was basically the idea was I, to bring you in just for the premiere to like bring a solid act for yeah. the premiere so that the show would have good reviews and everything. Yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. Just cause there were some fragile elements. Uh, and at so. that time, um, why you just, just didn't say no, because you were like, you were already had a good contract lined up. You had holiday lined up and everything. Like what makes you say yes. So, Going back to like the whole like artist contract and house troop contract, mm-hmm. I wanted to sign like a want my I wanted to sign my my artist contract like a good show fee with touring division okay. and not Cirque Theatrical. Yeah, that was my I need to I need to have this locked in with Montreal because New York felt so like disconnected and not mm. like. And it was like, it was a complete different kind of calculation. So I didn't have a show fee. I had the weekly salary in New York. Okay. So I wanted okay. to have that number locked in and kind of have that first, that that relationship with touring division. Mm-hmm. And yeah. To basically reestablish a new standards for your yeah. work feed, for your conditions and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the the idea, and which is what we did, and it was great. I was super happy with, um, you know, redefining that relationship and the, what our worth and what we we can do because we, we we saved their ass at the time. It was kind of like yeah, and that's what we do. It was the second time you save yeah. you save yeah, the show exactly. in New York, and now you save the show in Volta. Yeah, so that was exactly. Again, we were just like, what well, gave us a song? They gave us costumes. And within three hours, we had an act. And do do you and your partner always agree on the term of the contract? Yeah. It never happened that you wanted different things and that what happens in, in that scenario? Yeah, of course, we have to discuss things. And it's, but we, we managed to take very similar decisions. And we have a very similar vision of what our, we want in our career. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was kind of, I understood that the four months off was more for me mm-hmm. at the time. It was more like something that I needed in my relationship. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I need this, you know? Mm-hmm. And this opportunity was great for our career. So yeah. I was like, okay, this is, yeah, I can't say no to this because, you know, Maggie, of course, wanted to do it. Hundred yeah. percent, and I wanted to do it too, and it was like, okay, this is happening. Cool. Yes, <laughs> we're coming. Uh, and so you agree, like that—that's the perfect situation for you guys. They need you now. You already prove your worth and your reliability with Paramore. That's your opportunity to reevaluate all your standards, 
with the company, you have the discussion and you agree on everything with the company. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was, um, I mean, it was, we would definitely, we had the, the, you know, the bigger stick of the negotiation process because mm-hmm. I had absent. Yeah. I was, you know, confident that I didn't, I didn't need this contract, mm-hmm. but they needed us. Yeah. So of course, like that was a, a very, you know, once in a million year kind of opportunity to, to actually be a bit aggressive in the negotiation. So mm-hmm. without, you know, throwing knives, it was just, I guess, <laughs> Yeah, we want. <laughs> so and it worked. You got what you want, and then you had to get ready for the show like right away, like in the next two days, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So we created the show, the the act on on Monday. Tuesday was, I think, the soft premiere, and the Wednesday was world premiere. So we did soft premiere on on the Tuesday. Crazy. Or was maybe the Thursday? I don't know. Maybe there was an extra day in there, but it was like throughout the week. It was. And how did the show go for you guys? The act was smooth. Everything was nice. Yeah, it went super well, and it was it was an act that we performed maybe for four or five months. Um, then eventually, our um, yeah, we kept like signing with with Volta, like extensions, extension, 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 which led to staying there for three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, at which moment did the show offer you like to stay, like a permanent, a permanent contract? Um, that was an an interesting moment where we were we kept signing uh, temporarily, but they kept offering full time. Okay. So they wanted us to be full time in, and we kept signing city per city, uh, city after city, just because. Because we, they wanted us, they needed us, and I had something else, and I had other things that I wanted to have, mm-hmm. such as including our partners in the show and kind of like bringing in. I just wanted to have the the possibility of like saying, okay, now we're leaving, or you know, having the yeah, you increase our environment of work environment. You bring uh, Marily's boyfriend in the show, like yeah. you were like yeah, there was the opportunity to you to like jack your condition. Yeah, without being too like, not too, you know, not we too didn't pushy. we didn't renegotiate the number every time because mm-hmm. I think we signed like five contracts throughout the first like year. Yeah, so it was kind of, but it was just an opportunity for us to be like, okay, there's you know, there's there opportunities for, for for like Ollie to come in or and if it was a no, we're like, oh yeah, we'll sign for another city and we'll sign for another. So we were just like repushing and kind of having more. And when they revamped again volta that's when they brought in trample wall mm-hmm. so it was kind of like uh all right yeah if he's not part of this we're leaving yeah. kind of because uh, marily your partner her boyfriend is a trample wall acrobat a very good trample wall yeah. exactly it wasn't <laughs> like good, you yeah. know <laughs> but it was just like just making sure you know that if um yeah, if, if he's not part of it, well, then now it's, you know, you definitely don't want to help us out in this situation. But he was part of the the the, the casting process. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he signed, we signed full-time. So that was kind of like the... The moment you're like, okay, we're good to stay now. We have everything we need. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's what we wanted. All right, we're here now. <laughs> Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk the online carrier marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource, bringing news, events, and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way, instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership 
by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to PRO and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. Alright guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back? The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. It really seems that you have um, a very unique perception of your work because I mean we know each other for a very long time I know how you you work as an artist as a and as an acrobat but you're also a very precise businessman so I wanted to ask you how do you perceive that balance between the fact that we are artists but there is a circus market there is a monetary element there is so how do you perceive that balance yeah it's definitely part of our like our our jobs to you know we're we're self-employed we're uh you know entrepreneur what we develop artistically of course like it's it has like meaningfulness and it's 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 artistic it's art it's it's beauty it's it's innovating you know you're trying to create something that you'll present on stage that is artistic you know mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it is a product to me mm-hmm. you know i'm offering a service I'm offering, I'm creating a product and this has a value, you know, just as much as, you know, as any product or a service. Yeah, exactly. As so um, it does have a value and it does have a price next to it and, uh, you know, attached to it. So, and the work ethic that you, you have also has the value. And this Mm -hmm. is definitely something that I always wanted to, to be at the top of my game is being able to, be the the best artist and the best asset in a show and being able to do whatever it'll take you'll need to keep the show running show must go on you know it's like mm-hmm. that definitely has a, a big value in my in, you know in my head like mm-hmm. it's definitely something yeah, that sure. i want to yeah to to keep and and it, it builds my confidence for sure mm-hmm. like knowing that i will deliver whatever the situation puts me in a situation where I, I know my worth and that each artist needs to know, you know, what's their worth and what's their. And how do you define that? How do you find what is your worth? How do you put a price on your, on your performance? Yeah, it's hard. Huh? Um, I think with, with experience and with, with a reputation that you build and with things that you do and knowing 
and creating a demand around you. That's the way I go about is I, I create a demand around me because of my reputation. And that's people want to work with, with us because we're easygoing. We're always positive. We're always ready to go on stage, never injured. We're all like, so people, they do want to work with us because so the, the contracts, they come in and I can, we have the luxury of saying no to stuff and to saying yes to the things that we want to do. So that having an abundance of opportunities definitely builds a, uh, a, um, a confidence mm -hmm. to say the price that, that I want and knowing as well what the market is, is ready to pay and it depending in, in, in the period, you know. So basically what you're saying is that you first start with your work ethic. You start by always, whatever contract you have to always be positive, be ready, be on stage, take care, like always perform to your best, be smart, not getting injured. No, no, no. And then the more you maintain that quality of performance and of work ethic, the more the word starts to travel, people start to know it and they want to work with you. Yeah. And this is where the more people want to work with you, the more you can start increasing your price because you can compare offers against each other. Exactly. It's if someone would finish school right now and would have an act that it looks amazing on stage and is acrobatically better than me, I wouldn't expect them to ask the same price than I do because I have 10 years of experience and I have a reputation. So people, they don't necessarily not necessarily want to pay as much as, you know, a price they kind of increase with, with our reputation and with the way we, you know, we achieve things and we keep proving it. Your price can crash at the same time that your reputation can crash as well. Yeah, of course it's, it, it's, it's related. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, how would you explain the, the circus market and the circ market? How would I explain it? Yeah. Like how, what's, yeah. How, how does it work? What's your perception of it? Mm. I mean, there's definitely different type of market. There's different type of acts. There's, um, oh, I'm not sure I understand where, where you want me to go with this. Um, because you say you can, once you know what the market is willing to pay, you can start assessing your price and everything. But how do you know what the market is willing to pay? And different places, different opportunities might not have, you know, the same budget, same. Be, is it the rarity of the skills that's more valuable? Is it the level of performance? Is in the, the work ethic? You know, all these elements, how do, how do they play against each yeah. other? Yeah, I see what you mean. And I, I guess you, you just know by being in the industry. And it's not necessarily something, you know, in school, they don't tell you, you're worth this much for your show fee if you do 10 shows a week or you're you know there's and there's no union there's no there's no way to to know the information there's that apart from word of mouth you know knowing what um what people have been getting paid and knowing what you know yeah it's it's really a matter of yeah, just speaking with and being transparent. I like to be transparent with with my numbers, which I'm not going to share here. But you know, I, on one to one, I like to I like to share as much as, as possible with with people and give advice because it is. I think it is important to 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 understand what is the market and to not you know. Yeah, for sure. Because I remember in Quebec City, there was uh, when I was in school, there was a period where people would accept contracts for for nothing for a couple of hundreds. You know, do a, mm -hmm. like a uh, a corporate event for like 250 300 bucks mm. and it's unfortunately if people start doing it a lot then it just becomes what if a producer can have five acts for 300 bucks they're never gonna spend five grand on me you know mm. yeah <laughs> like it's for sure, yeah. it's just the reality the reality of like the market is so low because people are now willing to do it for 300 bucks mm -hmm. so and then then you get calls say, would you do it for 300? And I'll be like, what? <laughs> yeah. What is it? <laughs> Who do you think I am? Like, you know, so it's... You have to be willing to say no. Is what you're saying. Like if offers are not, are not yeah. high enough, you have to be willing to say, no, it's not high enough. 
Yeah. And at the same time, if you don't know that 300 bucks is not a lot for, for a five minute act, you might say yes. And you might say, yeah, it's five minutes. Mm. I'll say yes to 300 bucks. Yeah. And because you don't know that the market is actually higher and you haven't really thought, you know, wait, I am going to need to train a 40 hour, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, train all your creative IP costumes, transportation. Yeah, a lot. yeah. the risk assessment. The, you know, there's there's so much to it that needs to to be calculated in a special event. Was it's completely different to like a like a long term contract. You know, you calculate things differently, and you of course you don't get the same show fee if you do it 400 times a year mm -hmm. with with benefits mm -hmm. and with you know. So it's things are calculated differently but definitely knowing the market that's why i like i like to be transparent with with friends and with people and 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 share numbers just to say i think you're worth more mm -hmm. or i think you should potentially accept this offer because it's it's a great opportunity mm -hmm. for you you know and uh, how do you negotiate your contract because when you think of other performing arts industry like a uh, cinema theater or Usually these artists, they have agents who are responsible of all that negotiation and all that like money aspect mm -hmm. and circus artists, they don't. So we have to kind of like involve ourselves, but we are artists. So do you think that to involve yourself in that part, does that take your mind away from the art aspect or it's not that at all? I do. I do think it, it does affect a little bit and it does create a little bit of a weird relationship with the managers and with the producers. Uh, but it is part of our world, our industry. Mm -hmm. It is part of what we do. And, and it, it, it can be expensive to have a lawyer. I, I, I hire, I have a lawyer for royalties and for intellectual properties. Mm -hmm. So whenever there's, there's a, an input of, on my creative, I do protect it with him mm -hmm. but i like to i mean now the last contracts that we negotiated i let him do everything just because mm -hmm. we we wanted to start fresh and i wanted to try and see what was going to be that exact relation i didn't want to create friction and create i didn't want to have that you know he's a, a shark kind of negotiator mm -hmm. you know i didn't want to have that 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 friend because it's a, a smaller team where mm -hmm. i work at the yeah. minute and where we do shit. so I was like, you know what? I'll let him do everything. And it was a great experience. And I do feel like I, yeah, I don't have any tensions with anyone. I don't, I don't, because I didn't, I didn't, I'm not in control of these numbers. It was kind of like, the, it was, it was a great way to develop that. that. So then you, your relationship with the company can focus solely on the artistic. Yeah. So, so would you recommend other circ artists to take to have a lawyer if they can afford one to, yeah. to start their contract especially especially if you're not confident if you're not confident dealing with numbers and being a bit aggressive in your negotiation because at the end of the day negotiating a contract is a bit of a dance you know it is whenever you get something offered there's always room for it to be mm -hmm. you know it's calculated in the offer mm -hmm. so there's there's kind of a bit of a There has to be at least one, one little. <laughs> so if you have like, um, let's say your five best advice in negotiating contract. Okay. Be confident in yourself. Understand what's, what you're bringing to the table. Because these are all that you need to focus on. None of the negative points and things that they, they might try to throw at your face. They don't matter, you know, focus on the positive and what you can and what you can bring more, you know, develop mm -hmm. with the company and with the, the within the, the relationship, the contract. And, and also in most situations, when you get an offer, it's most likely that that means, that means you're you want it. So you, the, the goal is to sign it, to find an agreement. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you have some numbers from the other part, it's kind of like, okay, well, This is this is happening. How are we gonna find you know mutual an agreement? So there's there's always a little bit of a and yeah, understand what yeah what you bring, but also what they absolutely 
absolutely need about you. If they if they have a huge pool of people and you're just one in the in the mix, you don't have as much, you know, negotiating Love power as if you're yeah. The, the situation is very unique and you're the only one and you're the, if you're in this situation, then it's, it's a bit of, it's a bit different. And if you have other opportunities as well, it's also, if you have other, you know, but now, yeah, be confident in yourself and know what you're bringing to the table. These are the two. Yes. The two most important one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would be your worst negotiation story and your best negotiation story? story I, mean, i feel like i've been sharing all my stories <laughs> <laughs> um i think that the the last thing you want to do like as in a like a bad negotiation story not that i've done it but i know other people that that share numbers like oh i know you've been paying this person this much i want to get paid this much mm, yeah never did that <laughs> that's that, that's that's pretty much the only thing you can do to bring that fuck that first offer to stay there and to not be yeah. it's gonna be like a no you take this or or you can go yeah thank you it's like that's the worst thing you want to say to a producer <laughs> i know you've been you know yeah and why do you think why because you're cor- why? they feel they're being cornered into a place yeah. and they're just gonna be like okay i just don't want to deal with you right now and that's it Exactly. You don't want to corner your the other person across the table. You want to have that that discussion and and, and willingness to work. It still rep, it still shows your work ethic, the way you negotiate and the way you you know if you only focus on problem solving and 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 positive asset of you and you and your confidence in bringing positivity to the work environment or to bring and uh, you know to make the show better or or easier for other people that's the way you're going to get a better deal by making the producer comfortable with hiring you at the end of the day he's going to want to have you more and that's why he's going to increase his increase his price mm. it's increase his price <laughs> yes so yeah You don't want to corner someone and put him in a situation when he's like, oh, I don't feel comfortable working with, talking with you. Why would I give you, give you more money? Like, I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, that's, that's, yeah. That's the way I see it. And um, you are, uh, how do I say? Because, yeah, the, the negotiation is really like, um, it, there is a lot of strategy involves like at the beginning they want you and they call you and tell you that you're the best you're the first one of our on our list we want you and and then they, they want to make you feel like you want it so much and you're you're so special so I, i understand especially for a first contract and especially with big big companies that when you you feel like i'm special and i'm wanted so much it would be so easy to just say yes i take the contract right away and You're gonna, mm-hmm. you're gonna have me. You're gonna be so happy. Like, so how how do you actually deal with that? With the, the emotional aspect that influences a lot your decision during that process. But really, at the end of the day, if the offer that you've been given is something that you're super comfortable with, you like it. You're like, this is this is fair. This is what I'm worth. There's nothing wrong about saying yes to this. Mm. There's yes. nothing wrong about being like, yeah. That's great. Let's do it. I thank you for your, you know, this, this can also happen and it's can, there's nothing, you know, you don't need to negotiate everything. Of course mm. you should, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's when you give me a call and I, I tell you, you should negotiate a little bit more. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I had uh, another friend who we were talking about that, about numbers and, you know, people getting paid, like sometimes you, you realize like there are significant difference in how much one artist get paid compared to the other. And I would understand, you know, an artist who would realize like, oh, I'm doing exactly the same job that this other artist, but I'm getting paid 70% less. And this artist, when he told me, he said something a bit similar to you, he said, you know, but at the end of the day, there will always be someone paid more than you and you will always be paid more than someone else so you also 
you have to know the market, know your worth, and but also yeah. at the end of the day, you have to be happy about it. And if the number is good with you and you're happy with this, just you know, go with it. Yeah, and if you're not, you have to leave. If you're not happy and you're gonna be miserable at work and you're not gonna be ha like happy doing your job for what you're you're being compensated for, you, you have to leave. This is because now you're just not working with you. You know, you're not working with for your reputation and you're not going. You need you like you need to be happy at work and bring in a good work environment. And that's how you're gonna create your reputation and create your name to to eventually get more. You know, so it's if you're not happy with you with your number, leave. This, mm. this is. And, and do you think it's all like when you negotiate, it's all about how much you get paid, or other aspects also have a lot of weight in the balance? Yeah, I th and that's where the artistic it takes a huge part of what you know of of your satisfaction in a contract you know you have to you have to be happy with what you present on stage and what it does change a lot you know like what there you know whenever you do like a human dairy kind of like a for for a cause you know we raise money mm -hmm. for a cause that's just it's just as much artistic that you know it brings it brings joy to other people to other causes and that's that's also yeah a great way to to see things and to be happy about doing it you know sharing it yeah giving giving back to other mm -hmm. other causes and but yeah i think it, it's not just the money it's it's mm -hmm. the tour plan it's where you're gonna do it mm -hmm. with who and what you know what is it gonna fulfill artistically i think it's a for me a huge part a huge part um it has to i think because yeah it's not, for sure and you're a very diversified businessman. You have your career as an artist, extremely successful, and you also have your own brand. Do you mm -hmm. want to talk a bit about this and like why you started your own brand and how did that influence your career as an artist and vice versa? Yeah, I think um, like at the very beginning, it was a, a mix of different type of motivations, but I needed to have my side project and my, my own problems to solve. Because when I was on Kusa, I just felt like I have this creativity and that's just who I am. I like to, I'm a problem solver. I like to, Oh, there's a, there's a problem. I, I want to fix it. I want to be a part of the, the solution, but it's not necessarily, it wasn't my position to do so. And to like, mm -hmm. of course yeah. I developed a bunch of different things and it was useful and it was very appreciated, but I always felt that it was never enough. My contribution was never enough. And, mm. and I just realized that this, this is just how it is. You know, I'm an artist, I'm not a manager and I'm not a, you know, I would have liked to carry the fridge to the front of house because I, yeah. <laughs> it needs to be there, you know, and it's like, it's stupid, but it's a, like I, it needs to be done. Well, well I, yeah, I want to do it. And they're like, no, no, if you get injured, this is bad. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then like, just, it's silly, but these silly, like little example just made me like, okay, I need my own thing, like my own problems to solve and my own challenges. And, and as well, like artistically kind of having different things to create, you know, because we, it's, there's a bit of a repetitive, uh, repetitive, um, aspect yeah you have to do the same act over and over yeah working you know doing 350 shows a year with Cirque is is you know you you do the same thing and there's uh, we develop tricks to to keep you know the the flame alive within mm. the, these shows but having a side project and having something to to focus on to create things and to was was fulfilling my my needs to create and my mm -hmm. I like to create and to yeah find having ideas and be like oh that'd be fun eh? oh yeah and then kind of I don't know write and and finding yeah so and this is not something that that the touring shows was was fulfilling for me I would mm -hmm. I would go on stage and and that's when I realized okay this is this is a great balance I have my thing on the side and I go to work and I do. I go on stage and I, and I do it again and again and again. And it's great because I love it. You know, it's the audience. Yeah. It's, it, it has so much benefits. It doesn't have everything. And that's where I compensate with design control. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah. it was nice to have that on the side and to be like, look, 
you know there's there's just so much i can bring to the tour to to cirque you know so developing your brand design control allowed you to kind of withdraw from the show so that yeah. actually you could get back into it but if you would not have that side project you would be in it all the time so you would kind of start to not lose appreciation but it would be harder to you would like start to maybe develop more struggle when with your own brand you're able to withdraw focus on other thing and then like oh yeah it's time to go and do your makeup and then you have to like re-put your head into something else so it's make yeah. keeps, helps keeping it fresh and motivating yeah that was definitely helpful for me and and I, i'm happy i i pinpoint it like pretty early and I, the way yeah i don't think it was intentional it was kind of like okay, we were leaving kuza and i was like okay we're gonna now we need to go back into the market we need to like remake all our con like our contacts and how are we going to do this you know now we've been away for three months for three years we don't have any like any gigs coming in any connections yeah yeah we need to like re like rebuild these and uh, these connections and these um these opportunities so i was like okay what what can we do and i think it was like in the process of brainstorming how to to do this the clothing brand came along and it just became uh -huh. a clothing yes. brand <laughs> but it was kind of like i don't know we'll use our skills to to to, to promote, promote the, yeah. the brand and initially yeah it was kind of um, it was around us which was not necessarily you know the best like the best uh, way to promote necessarily and afterwards understanding that i needed to make it about the circus community and not about me really like exploded the brand and it made it accessible for other people and it wasn't it's not my personal image it's like, like of course i'm the one packing the the underwear mm. and sending it but mm. <laughs> it's not you know you're not wearing my underwear it's your underwear yeah. because the circus mm. community is shorts and and sports bras mm. and yeah. you know so hoodie so it's understanding this was came afterwards but uh yeah and what are the projects you have going on at the moment so um, so this started about six years ago the design control the the big problem that we had and that we still have but we have solved is the inventory it was very expensive to keep an inventory of product that we develop and we go in production make uh, these clothes and then people they want the medium blue and then someone wants the extra large pink and then the short okay. and then so it, we need to have a huge inventory and it we reinvest every profit into product development and a new inventory because we just keep growing mm -hmm. and keep remaking the product that, that people want you know they bought a pair of leggings four years ago now they want they want it again because they liked it for the past four yeah. years they just want the new one uh, so i need to keep us uh, keep it in stock for because i don't want to upset the the consumer the, the, the customer, customer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so that's kind of like it was a problem so the solution was to start doing print on demand um t-shirts and hoodies and so we have we've developed a, a catalog of like blanks and we now so the the black hoodie has different prints so and i print it here so i developed a like a printing company garment printing company and mm -hmm. so i bought all the equipment to do it in-house so that was kind of like a way to to not have as much inventory for design control but to also offer the service to other brands so i've mm, been yeah. now working with, like doing instead of direct to consumer uh, customers now i do b2b business to business mm, yes stuff which is which has been very interesting so having to work with supplier and now becoming a supplier has been like very eye-opening in the way i deal with my supplier and the way i you know have expectations and also delivering to my to my other like the businesses that work with us mm -hmm. in a way and giving them the information that sometimes i don't get from supplier and you know coming from the circus world that everyone helps each other and everyone is so friendly yeah, it's true. the garment industry is nasty they keep their, <laughs> yes. they keep their information like they don't tell anyone what you know how to do things and what to go and I've spent so much money on weird suppliers that you get the, the product, you're like, 
I can't use these labels or I can't use this because this is, <laughs> or like pay like 20 times the price that I pay now. Or like, you know, it's because you know, there's no, you know, there's nobody to tell you this is the no. price. This is <laughs> yes. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so now like I, I share as much as possible to people that don't, um, so we, and that was something that I wanted to do as well. Like develop, uh, kind of understanding these other platforms and like Airbnb and Etsy and Peerspace. So I, in 2018, I started, um, I, I bought a condo and I wanted to do everything on Airbnb. So I have an Airbnb in Quebec and this is like a, a kind of a, like another stream of revenue that I wanted to try. And um, because we, with Marily, we have like a four apartment building and it's like mm -hmm. a, a, it's like a yearly lease. But mm -hmm. I was like, there's a, there's an opportunity in the like day to day yes, rental. Airbnb, that was like, yeah. okay. So that was like a thing that I wanted to do. And then I wanted to develop the whole Etsy thing. So the, the printing company is all on Etsy and it's mm -hmm. amazing. Like under like design control has its own website and I have to generate the traffic to the website myself, mm -hmm. you know, with my own social media and, 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 and ideas of bringing traffic there. Etsy has all its traffic. Airbnb has traffic that brings in clients. You can pay mm, a fee yeah. to it, but it's nothing compared, like you don't have, it's, it's not time consuming. So mm. it's great, you know, you, you process orders and you just give a little percentage to, to the platform. And then there was another thing that I wanted to do was not, on a, not renting per day, but renting per hour. So I opened the photography oh. studio here in Vegas that people, they can rent per hour. So I can have, you know, four clients during the day instead of one. Yeah, for sure. So that was something that I like creating content for the, the, for design control was, was another problem that we had because it was so time consuming to organize a shoot and to, so now I was yeah, like, I need to locations have, and yeah, I need to do it in house. So when we, I'm here at the studio that we have here in Vegas, I rented a, with, with my wife. Alana, we uh, we both own the the printing company together. So mm -hmm. design controls with Magali 50-50. The printing company is with Alana 50-50. And the studio is owned by the printing company. So okay. that's kind of the, the <laughs> so umbrella. <laughs> you, you have your career as a circus artist. You have apartment building that is that are is renting yearly the airbnb that is rented more weekly monthly the studio rented hourly the closing company the printing company yeah yeah that's a lot huh? <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> and so how how do you see yourself in 10 years with all all these projects i do want to build a little team around this 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 space i want other people to to benefit from it um and be able like having people that have their own little project that need the resources that i can that i can bring the studio and this this the space the meeting place the the so i and i'd like to tag team with other people that are motivated to mm -hmm. kind of grow a bit of a, a team where everyone can kind of see the benefit of that little you know, community of, of entrepreneur and kind of a little bit lead it. I, I like to, I like to, to help others and, and to kind of have a, an input on where to go. Um, but definitely build a bit of a team around and having employees as well to help with the, the printing and, and to help with the, the packaging and, and sending emails and all that is kind of, it's, it's, it's time. It's now it's, mm. uh, it's time to grow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have one last question for you. If tomorrow aliens would land on Earth, how would you explain Cirque du Soleil to them? Wow. Uh, so, yeah. How would I explain Cirque du Soleil to them? So, so okay. So, hey, dude, sit down. You got to come see this, this beautiful thing. And don't panic. It's gonna be. It's gonna look maybe a little bit like you with a bunch of you know, but it'll be fun and it'll be a bunch of of talented people that just want to share their love and for you to feel inspired. So have a little bit of a popcorn and a good uh, good coke and we'll we'll have fun. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, perfect, dude. Wow, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. Yeah, man, it was it was super cool. Big melt for the coming shows, and I'll see you around in Vegas. Sounds good. Thank you, Guillaume. So, guys, if some of you are new in the industry, I hope that you found Phil's advice interesting, and hopefully, you took some valuable notes too. For all of you professionals who've been around, who've seen things in this beautiful show business industry of ours, I think it's always good to get perspective of another artist, you know, who've had a great career. I wish I had a conversation like that when I first started working. It surely helps to have people who walked the path before and whose advice can maybe prevent you from making some mistakes on your own journey. That was the thought behind this episode to share some tips that would hopefully be helpful to some of you guys out there. If you like this episode, please give it a good rating and review. Share the podcast on your socials with your friends, your family. Spread the word. It really helps Tapis Rouge growing. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. Now guys, that's it. That's it for today. If you're having shows, Remember, we're so lucky to make a living out of making people dream. So merde, rock the house, and until next week, as we say in the circus, see you down the road. (laughs) 